Welcome to the Finding Refuge podcast. My name is Michelle Cassandra Johnson. I am an author, yoga teacher, healer, social worker, dismantling racism trainer, activist, and grief worker. This podcast emerged from work based in the exploration of collective grief and liberation. It exists to remind us about all the ways we can find refuge during unsettling and uncertain times and to remind us about the resilience and joy that comes from allowing ourselves to find refuge. Today's interview is with Tracy Stanley. Tracy Stanley was introduced to the practice of Yoga Nidra in 2001. She immediately recognized it as a healing salve for the world and began to incorporate it into her life and her yoga teaching. She left her high-stress career as a Hollywood film producer to delve deeper into the study of the practices that were empowering and rejuvenating her so she could share them with others. With over 20 years of experience, practice, and teaching in the Himalayan tradition, Tantra and Sri Vidya, she also understands the demands of life as an entrepreneur, wife, and stepmom. Her effortless way of sharing ancient teachings in accessible ways is her superpower. She travels extensively to offer yoga nidra, meditation, self-inquiry, teacher trainings, and workshops. Radiant Rest, which is her new book, is coming out in March and published by Shambhala Publications. Enjoy the interview. Hi, Tracy. Hello, Michelle. How are you? I'm good. It's so nice to see you and just share space with you. I feel really happy to be here. This is a bright spot for my day today. So thank you for having me on. I'm so glad. And I met you at the Asheville Yoga Festival, I guess, two years ago, maybe a year now. Yeah, I think it was two years ago. And we'll never forget that meeting and moment and all the things that have, you know, emerged because of that moment. So I'm just really excited to be here with you and appreciate you saying yes to being a guest on Finding Refuge. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for reminding me of the moment that we met because it was a very powerful moment and I felt something in your presence that I have been able to see over the last two years as I've gotten to know you a little bit more, just unfolding and expanding and it's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love those moments and connection. So yeah. And it led us here. Here we are. Mm -hmm. I would love for you to share some about who you are and however you want to answer. That's a big question. <laughs> I recognize that. Who you are. I don't like the what you do in the world, but whatever you'd like to share about your practice, what you yeah. offer, right? That's a great question. So who I am, I feel like I am compassionate. I am curious. I am fierce. And I'm steadfast. That's who I am in the world. What I do is I teach people 
and I share tools that I have gained and been given over the years from my teachers and from the practices that I've done and just from my own kind of experience that guide them towards freedom and the understanding of who they really are. And so what I would say is as much as we talk about this idea of wellness, I'm an old fashioned yoga teacher. (laughs) I'm a spiritual teacher. You know, yes, you can get well from these practices. It's true. But I've spent 20 years practicing and receiving teachings from my teachers and spending a long time over many years consistently doing those practices. And yet I have a background as a film producer. So I've produced over 50 films with A-list movie stars back in the day. And at the same time as I was doing that, I was also teaching yoga and learning about yoga. So I feel like I'm very complex. There's not like a box that I would put myself in, but what I love to do most is to support people to become their most powerful self. If I can put it just in a sentence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel similarly when people ask me who I am or what I do, like I don't fit in one box. Many of us do not. So I appreciate you, you naming that. And then at the core, what you do and what you offer. And I'm wondering if you would call some of your teachers into this space. Like, mm-hmm. where are your teachers? Oh, thank you for asking that question. So, Yoga Rupa Rod Stryker was one of my first teachers. Pandit Rajmani Tiganayat is a teacher. Gary Craftsow is a teacher. Uma Dinsmartuli is a teacher. Laura Amazoni is a teacher. My goodness, there are so many teachers that I have and new teachers as well. Lama Rod Owens is someone that I've been studying with over the last few months because his teachings are just so rich and on time, on point right now. Swami Veda Bharati is another teacher. You know, Swami Rama is a grand, grand guru. So there's many teachers. Most of my teachers are really steeped. I would say every single one of the teachers that I've had are steeped in tradition. They're steeped in lineage that has gone back thousands of years. And so I've been very blessed to be able to have studied with the teachers that I've studied with. Mm-hmm. And Jasper felt them too. I wanted yes. to feel them. And <laughs> yes, I didn't even know he was in the room with me. So. He felt your teachers. And I just love the practice of honoring our teachers by, by calling their names and to the space. That question is making me think about, I know you offer many teachings and you've received many teachings and I'm wondering if you could share about one teaching that like profoundly changed your path, your life. And I'm sure there are many, but is there one that comes into your awareness or a teaching that's come back over and over? That's a different way to think about the question. Mm, yeah. Well, there's a teaching around samskara and vasana. And I really feel like the understanding of how the impressions that we receive during our life create a coloring, which then turns into a habit, which then concretizes into a personality trait that we identify with and are not willing to let go of, even if it's causing us suffering or other people harm, is something that once I understood that concept, it was a game changer. 
along with reading the Yoga Sutra 136, the Shoka of Joy Tishmati, which really relates to this idea of this eternal light that each one of us has, which we could even say is our internal power, our inner knowing, and that that light is eternal. There before you had a name, it'll be there when you no longer have a body. It is untouched by circumstance. It's untainted. It's pure. It's the essence of who we really are. And that this journey of yoga is part of the journey of being able to taste that. Because once we taste that, there is no experience or person that can take that away from you. It's a remembrance that you always have. And so our practice is kind of like moving back towards that self-remembrance. Those two concepts, I feel like are the thread that run through everything that I teach and everything that I share, because I feel like once we actually have an embodied understanding of that, it really changes everything about what we think about yoga. And so that for me, those were the two most powerful things that I think I learned and I'm continuing to unpack and continuing to unveil what it really means And I think it's a lifelong journey. So it's not like once you read it, you know it. It's like you have to keep living it and living it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes me think about the moment we're in and and how you're living or you just offered in this particular moment. Obviously, we're still in the middle of COVID-19 and and actually more and more people are dying. And we're in this place of questioning what collective care looks like. We've been in, we've had that question for a long time, some of us. and. Obviously, people are dismantling systems of oppression, and that's just a few things happening. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering how you're living into that practice with the sutra at this time, given all that's going on. Mm. Well, I think there's two answers to that question. I think one is when I'm teaching. I feel like I'm noticing that there's two lies that we carry with us, one or the other. One lie is that I'm not worthy. And the other lie is I'm more worthy than the next person. And either one of those lies are going to cause you suffering and possibly cause suffering to others. And so if we can use the tools that we've been given from yoga to start to dismantle either one of those lies and see how they affect us and see where they began. You know, the practice of vichara, kind of tracing all the way back to the original impression, so to speak. Then we start to unravel all the things that keep us bound. And so what I've been noticing since covid well, since the pandemic began in March, is that the teach those teachings, and that seems to be what's up for people. It's like people are just noticing more because we've had to be still. And so when we could run away from these lies before and distract ourselves with these lies, it's not as easy anymore to distract. And then we're also being able to see the consequences almost immediately of the actions that come from these thought patterns, right? Like the consequences of what happens 
when I feel like my life is more worthy than someone else's and I don't need to wear a mask or whatever that may be, right? There's consequences to it. So that's one thing is really leaning into sharing more of teachings around chitta prasadna, how to really allow the mind to become clear. And that's something that requires our own self-effort. And so I'm always leaning into the teachings and the things that I'm like, oh, I need to do more chitta prasadna right now. And if I need to do more of that, then that's something that I can share with people. So that would really be the answer to that. Thank you for that offering and teaching. And I wonder if there's anything else you'd like to say about the moment. Like, how is your heart? How are you? Mm feeling? What do you notice? Yeah. I mean, I think that one of the things that I hope we're all realizing is that how tired we've been, right? It's like I teach people how to rest. I teach this practice of yoga nidra, the yoga of sleep, deep relaxation. And I think that once the world kind of stopped whirling at such a fast speed, everybody started to notice, oh, wait a second, I'm really tired. Like, but I've been resting all day, but yet I'm really, really tired. And so what do I do? And what am I really tired of? What are the ingredients that are causing that exhaustion, right? And really starting to look at that. So I really feel like, and I lost the thread now of the question. So take me back. You're naming it. How your heart is, what you are noticing. Yeah. So noticing the exhaustion, noticing that the practices that I have done previously for many years, the accumulation of those practices have allowed me to touch into or to remember when I can't touch into a level of steadiness. Even when on the surface, there's like this up and down. So there could be literally if you and I were on the phone or I'm on a phone call with a friend, we could be moving from laughing hysterically to crying to screaming. All of the emotions are present and they can be present within a very short period of time. So for me personally, the practice has been not trying to push any of these emotions away and deny them but really to allow them to move through, right? To observe, to watch, to say, okay, what is this about? Let it move through. A lot of journaling practice. I have like a set of probably five pandemic journals at this point, which will be another book at some point. But it's really the noticing and the accepting of what is happening in my internal landscape. And then for me, remembering that there's that part of myself that's steady and bright and eternal and remembering what are the practices that let me touch that and doing those practices every day. Thank you. Yes. I mean, the importance of practice and steadiness and what you named about just allowing the emotions to be present and to cycle through instead of pushing them away, which I think is so much of what dominant culture wants us to do is push them away. And you're suggesting we need to allow them to move through our experience and awareness. 
while we're practicing and finding that groundedness and steadiness that you named. Mm-hmm. And earlier you mentioned exhaustion. And when I asked what you're, what are you noticing? And I know one of the practices you offer is yoga nidra. And I am curious to know how you came to that practice. And I'm also curious to know if there was any resistance to it. I've never asked you that, so I don't know, but I'm curious. Yeah. How did you come to it or how did it come to you? That's a great question. So in 2001, I had just met one of my first teachers, Yoga Rupa Rod Stryker. And he was at that time living in LA and doing weekly satsangs. And at the end of the satsang, the very first time I ever did one of these satsangs, he said, okay, now lay down. We're going to do this practice. He didn't name the practice as yoga nidra or deep relaxation. It was just like, lay down, do this practice. And I lay down and I did this practice and I literally felt, you know how we all have that best shavasana. It's like that shavasana that's like magical. And it's the one that keeps you coming back to yoga. This was like that shavasana times a thousand. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. Like I found this place inside of me that is really peaceful and steady. And the world looks different when I open my eyes. It's more vibrant. There's something that happened. This is different than, I didn't know what to call it. And so I kept doing these practices. And after a while, I learned that this practice was called Yoga Nidra. And at the time, there were not many books about Yoga Nidra. There was one book. And I went to the Bodhi tree in LA and I picked up that book and I started reading it. I'm like, oh, this is where these practices are coming from. I'm recognizing some of these scripts that I'm reading. And so I started to do those practices and I started to then offer them to people that I was teaching at the time. And at that time, I didn't know anything about you have to embody something. So for me, it was like, oh, I'm just reading the script from, you know, from the book. And at the end of the class, everyone would always say, oh my God, I feel so relaxed. That was amazing. And I just started to realize that this yoga nidra practice seemed much more powerful than the vinyasa that I was teaching. So I started to shift the way I was teaching my classes to really be a little bit less vinyasa and more relaxation, and more meditation. And then I started doing the practices on my own, just as far as like listening to recordings from my teachers or listening to recordings from Swami Veda Bharati. And what I noticed was that I was becoming more and more steady. So at the time I was in the film business, And I was basically using the practice as a way to recover from exhaustion, recover from working 18 hour days, recover from doing night shoots and not having any real sleep. And then I started to notice something a little bit more mystical about the practice, the more that I was doing it. And I didn't know what it was and I didn't really have any answers to questions that I was asking. And it wasn't until much later when I decided like, oh, people are doing sadhanas. 
like, this is what we are supposed to do. We're supposed to do this mantra for however many hundred thousand times, or we're supposed to do it for, so why aren't we doing like a yoga nidra sadhana? And so I did a yoga nidra sadhana with a girlfriend of mine. And what happened during that period of time was literally life-changing. That was when I realized the true power and I'm still discovering the true power. So it's not like, oh my God, I hit the jackpot and found the true power. But that's when I realized, wait a second, this practice is a healing salve. This practice connects us to the natural elements inside of us. It connects us to our ancestors. It connects us to nature. It connects us to our knowing. There's so much here. It's literally a practice. It's a full system of yoga within itself. And there started to be a little bit more information. And I did a workshop with Richard Miller and started to become even more curious and just kept reading and learning and listening and then rereading things and realizing like, oh, these two things go together. When I didn't put them together before, it's because now I have a different embodied experience of the practice. So, you know, I made my first Yoga Nidra recording for iTunes in 2004 because I wanted to get the practice out there. And my understanding between then and now is completely vast. And I'm sure that in another 10 years, my understanding will be something completely different. But right now, what I know is that this practice really allows us to explore the depths of who we really are and the nature of reality and the nature of the unseen. Yes to that. Mm -hmm. All of that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the practice for now. It really is. It really is. It's all about transition and pratyahara and it's a yoga practice. It's a practice of dissolution. And so if we're looking to release and let go of everything that is not us, not truly us, yoga nidra is the practice. Mm -hmm. I believe you. Yeah. It's the practice for now. It sounds like an always, but in particular now, given all that is 100%, because we have a little bit more time Mm -hmm. and space and the need to really get clear on the vibration of truth because that's another thing that it attunes you to that vibration so that we can discern because there's so much misinformation happening that we need to be able to discern. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. That's powerful. And you wrote a book called Rating Breath <laughs> all about yoga nidra and probably everything you just named. And I wonder if you want to share some about Radiant Rest and your the process of writing it. Mm. I'm always curious about that. Yes, yes. So Radiant Rest is called Radiant Rest Yoga Nidra for Deep Relaxation and Awakened Clarity. And my process of writing. So I'm somebody who's very clear about what I need in order to create. And so I know that I need quietude. I need to be able to wake up before sunrise. I need to be able to go outside and lay underneath the stars and lay on the ground. And so what I did was I actually rented a little cabin in Ojai near some hot springs. 
And so every morning I would do my practice. I would do some morning pages and then I would go outside into the hot springs and start communing with nature. One of the things that I realized in the process of studying yoga nidra and doing my own practices of yoga nidra is that being in nature actually amplified the practices. And so I wanted to make sure that I had information in the book so that people could go when they had time to be in nature, that they could do some practices in nature that would help to amplify their yoga nidra practices later when they were at home. So I just really was with nature and allowed myself to receive these practices of what needed to happen and as well rely on some of the practices that I'd been given over time. And I did everything in this cabin. And then I went and I did Panchakarma up in Grass Valley. And while I was doing Panchakarma, I literally just wrote. So I didn't want to have like a work type of thing while I was doing Panchakarma. So I was just like, okay, let me just be stream of consciousness in this writing. And a lot of the book came from those experiences. And then obviously working with the templates and the information that I've already had for the practices. So the book really is a book for a householder. That was my goal was to make it very accessible for people to be able to take with them anywhere and to be able to see how they can allow this practice, whether they have five minutes or they have 45 minutes, they can weave the practice throughout their day in a way that's really accessible and as well giving teachers tools and tips on how to share it with their students and also giving them scripts so that they can learn how to embody the practices and self-guide themselves. Because once we get to the point where we can self-guide, that's really where a lot of the power starts to really amplify itself. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. about. I'm excited. <laughs> I know you are and the practices and it's, it comes out in March. So. It does. It comes out March 9th. It's on pre-sale now. Mm-hmm. So everyone yeah. go purchase this book and, and receive the medicine from Tracy. Yeah. We'll be doing a book club, which will be fun. So there's a free book club if you pre-order the book and I'll be guiding people through so that they can really bring the practices into their daily life. And it'll be four weeks long. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to know, since you mentioned nature and in your process of writing, what you how the conditions you put in place, right? Based mm-hmm. on what you understand about your creative process. And I'm wondering if there was an encounter you had with being in the natural world, or I'm thinking about an animal, but I don't know if that's true because it could have been a river or stream or tree or anything. But mm-hmm. I just wonder if there's something you're willing to share. And if not, that's fine. But I was curious to know. Yeah, that's really great. I love that question. So I'm very inspired by the story of Dattatreya, who was this sage who basically was enlightened. And the story goes that someone asked him, like, oh, my goodness, you're so enlightened. You're so wise. Who is your guru? And he said, oh, I have 24 gurus. And my gurus are nature. And so he started to name, like, earth is my guru and 
fire and water and wind and the pigeon and the snake and all of these different. So he was in nature observing nature and learning from nature and doing practices to mimic nature. And that was how he, and this is like the short mini version, that was how he became enlightened. And that to me was always fascinating because water, so it can talk about being in the hot springs, right? It's like being in the hot springs, immersing myself in the mud while I'm in the hot springs and just allowing myself to be completely still and feeling that, wait a second, there's a vibration, that the earth actually has a vibration and the water also has a different vibration. And being able to kind of oscillate between those two vibrations. And part of one of the things that happens with Yoga Nidra is that it starts to attune you to, I would say, it really starts to sensitize you to prana. So you start to be able to feel prana and really being able then to allow yourself to say, okay, my, let my body start to vibrate with the vibration of the earth because I'm laying on the earth or I'm in the water. And then what happens? And I can't say what's going to happen for someone else. I can only say like, what do I experience? And then doing a smirti practice. So the word smirti means retention. My smirti practice is journaling because most of the times we forget the lessons, right? We forget what we learn and practice. And that's why we have to keep learning the same lesson over and over again, because we're not remembering. And so I feel like those types of vibrations are vibrations of truth. And it's similar to when you now come back into the world, you can remember that vibration and feel that vibration of truth and know it and also know something that's not true. Mm -hmm. So for me, being in nature, that's an absolute necessity for me just in everyday life. I need to be able to be close to nature so that I can feel that vibration. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it sounds like what you said about remembering and why we have to continue to practice and journaling and we lose the lessons unless we actually focus on them in some way and allow them to be present is really powerful. And just our connection, what I hear in vibration is connection. Mm-hmm. And that's so much of what I feel like, or in part we've lost, like with ourselves, with one another, with the planet, with all beings, with energies, with the cosmos. So we, many folks feel untethered and then do things that are violent or harmful or because they're not connected. So that's such a powerful teaching to reconnect to vibration, prana, to source, to the way things actually work, right? And how they move. Right. Yeah. Because when you do that, it starts to unfurl the thinking that you have identified with. Mm -hmm. If you have a knowing because you're experiencing something in every cell of your body and it's a knowing and it's not jiving (laughs) with the thought process, You have to continue to do some self-inquiry and inquire around that. Mm -hmm. There's all too many times, and I'm sure that we can all relate to it because I know I can relate, is 
we can think about this idea of what happens when you don't listen to your intuition. When have you in your life had a really strong intuition knowing or something dropped down from the heavens, an epiphany, and you didn't listen to it? What were the consequences? I remember when I was first practicing yoga, I had been practicing yoga maybe for three or four years and I was practicing Kundalini yoga. Mm -hmm. And I had just come out of a class. It was a very powerful class. And as I was getting into my car, I heard this voice say, if you keep practicing yoga, you're not going to be with your current partner anymore because you're raising your vibration. And it was just a voice out of nowhere. And I remember thinking to myself as I was driving home, well, I guess I'm not going to practice yoga anymore. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And (laughs) that was the level of thinking. Mm-hmm. And I literally stopped practicing yoga. Wow. And as I was doing that, it was lasted for probably about three or four months. I really saw my life going in a completely different direction. It was just really interesting. And then at some point I said, oh no, I have to go back to yoga. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't long after that, that that relationship dissolved. You know, there's a whole other reason why that could be, but it was this understanding that I was moving more towards the vibration of who I really was and away from the vibration of, let's say, the thought pattern of, I'm not worthy. Right. The relationship was stuck in the pattern of, yes, you're right, you're not worthy. So stay here in this pattern. And the practicing of yoga was bringing me out of that. Mm-hmm. So how many times do we hear or do we know something and then we don't follow it? This is the same thing is that self-effort that's required, which is, I'm going to say courage and wisdom that's required for you to say, oh, this is going to be really hard for me to move away from this vibration that I've been so used to and move towards the truth but I have to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that some of us are not willing to do. Right. It's too easy to stay in the suffering because it's familiar and in the lie because it's familiar. And we think maybe even we think we're getting something out of it. Mm -hmm. Maybe we are getting something out of it, but is that something out of it really serving you? Is it serving the whole or Mm -hmm. is it creating more suffering? And those are the questions we have to sit with. And I feel like the pandemic has helped us in this way to be able to sit with this question or to run away from the question. Just depends. That's right. Yeah. Everything you said about the resistance to that message, even though you heard it, and then the choice you made. And then, I mean, I feel like the universe and our ancestors and the company, they're conspiring to like move us into alignment. <laughs> and that's why yeah. yoga it's one reason it's so transformative and that the universe will continue to do that. And our ancestors will continue like people, spirit, energy supporting us on the path. And sometimes we can make that transition and sometimes we can't. And that's the work. Like That's you know, right. Yeah. How much are we willing to realign with our true nature? Yeah. And to also accept that there is going to be some pain involved, 
It's like when you've got the bandaid or the bandage on, even when that thing is healed and you know you have to take it off, right. it's going to hurt. It's the pain that is going to free us as opposed to the pain that keeps us in bondage. Mm-hmm. There's a difference. Yes. You know, the whole time you were just speaking in response to that question, Cardinal came up and, and I was talking to my mom the other day. She's in a retirement community now and they like decorate their, they can decorate the outside of their doors. They have shelves and she used to be a teacher. So it's like a bulletin board. Every month she's decorating. And this month she is decorating with cardinals. She reminded me of the saying, when cardinals are near, angels are here. Mm. And of course I've been seeing them, but one just showed up and I was and sat the whole time. And I was thinking about ancestors and spirit guides. And if you have a practice that connects you with your ancestors and yoga nidra probably does that and, or your spirit guides. And just if you could share some about mm. um, really, I know that we've never really talked about it. And so I'm, and this Cardinal just asked me to question. So yes, well, we put it we out must, there. We must answer. Yes. So first of all, I have an ancestor altar. So just being able to honor your ancestors every day, remembering is the beginning, you know, and a lot of times we get so caught up in life. We don't remember where we came from. We don't know sometimes even where we came from. So even doing something as practical as going on to Ancestry.com and figuring out who you are, where you come from, I think is really an important start. And when I lay down to practice Yoga Nidra, and this is in the book, this practice is in the book, I feel and sense and see myself surrounded by my benevolent ancestors that are well in spirit. And one of my teachers is a man named Daniel Four. He wrote a book called Ancestral Medicine. And I really am not there to take anything from them, but to just have them present so that there is a layer of protection, but there's also a layer of healing as I do my practice that returns back to them. So that's something very simple that people can do is to really just close your eyes and allow your body to just settle and your breath to settle and just see a circle. And you can make that circle out of light or water or fire, earth. And on the outside of that circle, you just see your spirit animals, your guides, your ancestors, even pets, friends that have passed. Anybody who has your best interests, your well-being at heart, and that you feel as well in spirit. And you just feel and sense them as a circle of protection around you. And then from there, you can move into any practice, whether that is your yoga nidra practice or your meditation practice. You can also just feel the energy change. Mm -hmm. It's like you get to drop in. Yeah, I felt that in that. Thank you for that teaching and offering, right? That moment of pause and connection. 
and that invitation. So I can feel that in myself right now too. Mm-hmm. Just in that minute long offering, but how um, profound these teachings are and how necessary it is for us to connect in the way you just offered and suggested. Yeah. When we call their names and we remember them, we're starting a new relationship. And that is what the Cardinal wanted us to remember. That's why the Cardinal, I was like, all right, I see you, Cardinal. (laughs) Going in, we're going to ask. And that's what emerged from. Yeah. Thank you for asking. And thank you, Cardinal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Is there an ancestor you'd like to just call into this space at this time? Mm. Well, she's already here. That's my Nana, Reverend Louise Ellison. Mm -hmm. She's here for all the teachings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you to her and for her presence. Yeah. So ever grateful. She was the first person I ever saw give Shaktipat. Although she wasn't calling it Shaktipat because people were getting saved. Yeah. Right. But when I experienced Shaktipat, I was like, oh, this is what Nana was doing. Mm -hmm. And to see the correlations between everything that she was teaching and what I'm now sharing, it's amazing. So she's a bridge. Yes. Yes, for sure. Well, deep bow and a gratitude. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And what's coming through you. Is there anything that's coming up other than, I mean, the big thing, Radiant Rest and the book club? Are there other things that you want to share about what's coming up, your offerings, anything you want folks to know? Yeah. So let's see. I do yoga nidra training. The next yoga nidra training for teachers will be in the summer of 2021. We're accepting applications now for both scholarships and for attending the teacher training. I will also be launching in the spring a new portal for rest. So there will be a rest portal happening and a portal for empowered life happening. And it'll just be a way that we can create community and support on a monthly basis. So that'll be happening soon. What else can I tell you? Not planning any retreats or any in live in-person events for 2021. So 2022, hopefully we'll be able to gather, but everything will be on the new portal. I have a sacred alchemy of how to create workshops from an authentic place. I'll be doing an auspicious Sankalpa workshop. So. There's lots of things that'll be happening. You can check out my website at Tracy with two E's yoga.com. And we'll also have your website in the show notes. And what you just named reminded me you have, are they called soul cards or don't you have a deck that you? I do. Yeah. I have an Oracle deck. So it's, uh, they're called self inquiry cards. It's empowered life self inquiry cards. It's there are 72 cards and each day you pull a card and it has a self inquiry question. And you basically just sit down with your journal and answer the question from the most truthful and honest place. And it also comes with some meditations and yoga nidra practices if you want to incorporate that as a way to kind of do the meditation first and then pull the question and then start to journal. And so that kind of takes us back to the idea of the smirti 
is that sometimes we don't remember the questions that we need to ask ourselves and then we don't remember the answers. So it's a really sweet 40-day practice that I love to support people with. And that'll also be in the new portal. Yeah, just remember, I mean, I've no, thought about it at different times, but I was like, we need to make sure folks know about your Oracle deck as well. Thank um, you for reminding me. <laughs> yeah, just all the gifts and resources. I feel like people need them all the time and especially now. And the what you shared about the deck, I think this is my final question for now, but it's what question is sitting with you at this moment in time? Like what question continues to show up? And I don't normally ask people this, but it came through. So yeah. What am I not seeing? What am I not seeing? Mm-hmm. What am I not willing to see, to acknowledge? And how is that preventing me from growing? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for the question. Mm-hmm. Deep question. One could sit with for quite a while. like that's that boom there it is that's it y'all you know like (laughs) this is the question this is the one yeah well thank you for all the things who you are in this world and the medicine that's moving through you that you share and I just feel really grateful to be, as I said, in relationship with you and that we're alive in this incarnation of who we are at this time. Yeah. And thank you. I'm sure there are many people who hold gratitude for you being present in this way at this time, because I think we need you. I know we need you. It's not a thought. It's a truth. So thank mm. you for who you are in this world. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I feel like we need each other to be our best. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me on. It's an honor. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Finding Refuge. You can support Finding Refuge by sharing it with your friends, family members, and beloveds, and rating it on iTunes. You can support my work by becoming a patron on Patreon. My name on Patreon is Skill in Action. Thank you so much, and take care, friends.